This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant tout bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pas de penser que c'est ton si bon miel que moi t'as pour le goûter. This is One Night Stand. What up, Night fans? It's Wednesday, September 2nd. Got a lot to cover on today's show. We've got breaking news on the UCF game day situation. They put out a huge release yesterday night, and we're going to break it all down for you and let you guys know how we feel about all the different rules and everything. We also talk about the 10 players that have officially opted out. I know some of that was leaked out, but Coach Hype made it official today, and we go over that. We give you our predictions for the season. And then we have the expert, the legend, Brandon Helwig of UCFSports.com, give us his preview for the season. Some surprising names there that have kind of popped out to him that uh, I haven't seen anywhere else, so some good info there. We also have our Fab Five predictions for the season. And last, but not least, Money Moves Picks of the Week. UCF heads into 2020. 35 and 4 in our last three seasons. Still undefeated at home in that span. Our last home loss was November 19th of 2016. We returned 12 of our top 13 tacklers on the defensive side. But with the COVID shortened season and some players opting out, will we still be able to make another playoff run? Well, I think if only half of the conferences are playing, we're automatically like in the top 10, right? I don't know, man. I think. But now they're going to start. The Big, I think the Big Ten is like really considering playing now that everyone didn't follow. So we talk, I talked about this with Brandon for a little bit, but like, I, you know, my thing all along was like, oh, once the first domino goes, everyone else does. Well, one of the dominoes was too far apart in the middle and it didn't knock, you know, the ACC over. And all of a sudden there's this divide and it's like half and half. And I think like the Big Ten figured if they were the first one to pull the trigger, than everyone else would. And now everyone else didn't. And now they look like the stupid ones. And now the coaches and the teams are like, hey, we want to play. And now they're all like, oh, well, back to the drawing boards. Uh, Yeah, pretty crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? By the time you listen to this, there'll probably be some other crazy breaking news. But last night, UCF finally, the much-awaited game day scenario, situation, whatever you want to call it, blueprint, I guess, uh, was released conveniently after the ticket office closed at around 5.15 or so is when I got it. <laughs> I mean, I can't, dude, I can't blame them. Like, you know how, how flooded they're probably getting with questions. My biggest takeaway was that I get complete last pick on tickets. Uh, what was something that kind of stood out to you or what was your kind of thoughts on it? You know, I read the whole 20 pages that was on there and, I gotta I gotta hand it to him. I, at least what I'm thinking right now, they had everything covered. Yep. I mean, from the whole game day perspective, the parking, the tailgating, the you know entrance into the stadium while we're in the stadium. I like this. So it kind of sucks, but the zone thing is smart. Like you can't have, say, you have like a super spreader, 
you can't have some idiot like go around the stadium. You know what I'm saying? It like it keeps everyone kind of quarantined in their own things. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me too was that you don't get actual seats. It's first come, first serve. So you kind of have to wait in line at your zone for your ticket. So like whatever zone I'm in, I'm just gonna have to be the first person there so then I can get in the front row. Like you, you only get a ticket for like your zone or your section or something like that. Um, right, so they right, so they've decided to implement a zone system with ticketing. Um, I guess depending on price point, they will put you in a different zone of a couple sections, and then each section is general admission. So it's a first come first serve basis. I know the this will kind of be interesting because it'll put the season ticket holders kind of in the same scenario as the students where that they was... have to get to the stadium <laughs> an hour and a half before the game starts and really won't be able to tailgate. You remember in 07? Oh, going to anyway, but... Yeah. You remember in 07 when we would line up an hour before the student section opened and not so... Not because you couldn't get a seat. It was because we wanted to be in the front row. And then as soon as it opened, you'd have to like sprint to the student section. Um, Absolutely. I have a feeling it's not going to be quite exactly like that, but it, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Uh, some other takeaways I had. There was a very distinct and short tailgating policy. And, you know, actually, like you said before, hats off to, you know, the entire athletics department. I'm sure they put, I mean, countless, uh, probably hundreds of hours into thinking and problem solving every little detail and aspect that could come up in this. Um, where do you even start? Like, oh, hey, like figure figure out how to uh, distribute tickets to, you know, 25% of the people that paid a crap ton of money for them and try and make everyone kind of happy. Go. Oh, and follow like CDC state city ordinances. Uh, that does not sound like a fun job. So, well, I, I think that's why they waited so long. They wanted to get they it wanted right to make sure everything was covered. And, and we talk. I talk about this with Brandon too. I read out my email, and from Memphis, as a Memphis season ticket holder, I'm upset about their process. Uh, the only thing I got from reading their email like four times is that I get a free commemorative Cotton Bowl mini helmet, so I get to remember Memphis losing in the MY6 Bowl with a free mini helmet. Oh, but one thing that did stick out to me was an explicitly short tailgating section. Let me read this. For the first home game at the Bounce House on October 3rd, tailgating will be prohibited in the parking lots controlled by UCF in order to reduce the risk of large gatherings. That decision was made after consultation with health officials. Two things from this. One, it only says tailgating will be prohibited in parking lots. And two, it only talks about the first home game. So... Really well, leaving the door open. Say, right. Yeah, I mean, of course you don't want to say, oh, no tailgating for the whole season. I know, but what about Memory Mall? So they also said that the parking is going to be a little different. There's not going to be anywhere near as many lots. I think that's going to control it a little bit, too. Wait, They're only going to use the old section do lots. You, do you have to park socially distanced every other spot? Or No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It did say, however, that if you had an RV, you could tailgate inside your RV. Wow, okay. thanks. <laughs> Did they define RV? Do we all have an RV? I don't know. 
So what is Burr U going to look like on a game day? Probably, uh, I don't know, whatever rules they have up there now. Is it 25%, 50% capacity, I think, for restaurants spaced out? It might be different in Orange County. Yeah, it was up there. I don't know because everything was so dead. I couldn't tell if it was 25 or 50% because it was actually 10. And I don't know if that... I don't know if it was just because of the rule or no one wanted to go out. All right, so one thing. So there's a weird, and I don't know how this is going to end up, kind of like a waterfall effect with the picking of the tickets. So if you have Tower Club tickets, you get to pick your tickets Thursday, but only Tower Club. On Friday at 10 a.m., Tower Club can now pick Stadium Club, and Stadium Club can pick Stadium Club. Does that make no, sense? No, that's not... Yes, that's yes, not how yes, I yes. That's how, that's how it is. So when Tower Club... I read it, the way I read it was you can pick your own seats or up. You can't downgrade. Oh, I thought it was you can pick... Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe you're right. Oh, so you can't... So the one goes before you. See, look at us, like, problem-solving live. Yeah. Okay, so you can take up, but you can't get access to up because one up of you already had it the day before. So you just get the leftovers of whoever's. Well, that's right, great. If so there's any. That's great. So me and you picked dead last. And uh, all right, that being said, rank the games. We got four home games. How would you rank them in order of uh, like preference overall? Like not just excitement, but you know, there's a revenge factor in two of them. We've got. In alphabetical order, Cincy, Temple, T- Tulane, and Tulsa. <laughs> it took me a second there. So for me, I would have to say Cincy. Me too. Cincy won. probably number one. Even though I already looked at the calendar. That's the weekend before Thanksgiving, and I've got to work Sunday. Oh, got a wedding. As every year. Just have, like the game day. I have Just a like wedding. The game day year. Thank you, Sean McElroy. Um, Shout out, UCF Knight. I probably had to say Temple is number two just because the weather's probably going to be nicer than, I mean, October 3rd. Yeah, the Tulsa game, revenge, but. Revenge, home it's opener! Gonna be hot. We got to wear a mask. You oh, yeah. That's going to be. That's another thing. We have to wear a mask. Right. Not and that I'm it's not a surprise. An, I'm not anti mask. I'll wear a mask in the grocery store, you know. Go shopping wherever. I'd wear, rather wear a mask than not play football. And that's right, the whole right. thing. Guys, look. There are a lot of things that really stink about this. But look at the big picture. We are getting to play football in the bounce yeah. house. So, I mean, we knew all along that it wasn't going to be just like it was last year. Yeah, I mean, that's Somehow, I'm still disappointed. Dude, two months ago, I bet someone $100 on Twitter that we were not going to have a single football game. And I lost. And I said, at the time, I said, I hope I'm wrong. but. Yeah. Um, so we've anyway, got there's football. a lot to still figure out. We have football. Uh, could go either way, you know, with the tickets. I could see it going one way where literally everybody wants to go and the ticket resale values are going to go through the roof. And I could also see it go the other way where, you know, people go, hey, I can't tailgate. I can't walk around the stadium. There's no, you know, pregame concert. There's no band on the field. You know, all of that is a part of There's COVID. why UCF games are so much fun. It's not just the product on the field. It's the, it's the, the game whole day experience. Day yeah. experience. 
And not that it's UCF's fault or anything, but you're not going to have 80% of, you know, the game day experience. Maybe more. It's not. It's like going to a scrimmage that counts. Right. Uh, yeah, look, I, who knows what's going to happen. I, you're right. I could see it going uh, either way. Just like we didn't know it was going to happen a month ago till today. It's going to be the same thing a month from now. There'll probably be something that happens that like blows our mind. And there'll be something that happens that we're like, oh, man, saw that one coming. So who knows? Um, Something I didn't see coming, though, was this many players opting out. Uh, Fishery today, Coach Heupel read off a list of 10 players that have opted out for the season. Uh, Moo, give me those players. Quarterback Daryl Mack, corner Tay Gowan, and Devonta Dawson. Defensive lineman Mason Chalua, Kalia Davis, Kendrick Wilson. Defensive back Elijah Benoit. And offensive lineman Allen Adams, Lamarius Benson, and Adrian Medley. All right. A lot of these were leaked and stuff on the forums, but which one is not maybe most surprising, but is going to have the, the most impact on the team, in your opinion? I wouldn't say I was surprised with any of them. You know, this is all a personal decision. That's a great way to put it. Look, I said this earlier. You don't know, and I say this about when players decide to go to the NFL or not. You don't know people's situation, their family, their personal life, their medical history. And you cannot fault anyone for doing this. You know, they got to do what's best for themselves. Everyone has a different opinion, and I respect the hell out of these guys for being honestly brave enough to do it because you know they're going to get some kickback from from people on social media, just like, you know, when you do anything these days. I don't know. What what kind of stood out to you or who? I guess it's the two probable starters on our defense in Tay Gowan and Kalia Davis. Kalia Davis we saw last year really breaking out as a star on the defensive line, I think he was just getting started, and he, this year was definitely going to be his year. And he had just switched from linebacker and, you know, put some weight on, and he was a beast back there, man. I remember seeing him in, him in the backfield a lot, and then, like you said, Tay Gowan, Brandon covers this later, but, I mean, you know, Bam Moore still not cleared to play. We're really thin at cornerback, and, you know, same thing at D-line, not just Kalia Davis, but Mason Chalua and Kendrick Wilson, too. You know, we've got some other guys there, but, you know, the, the D-line rotates a lot. You know, how fast offenses move, they got to keep those guys fresh. But, you know, overall, I'm not worried. I know we've got great coaches and, you know, a bunch of great hungry guys ready to get some playing time. Um, you know, Daryl Mack, you know, he's obviously, you know, new father. Can't really blame him there. And, Brandon mentions this later, but it was it's talked about that Quadri was actually going to take the number two spot, apparently, allegedly. So, I don't know. Very interesting. The word is, is that he might transfer. And if he was going to get bumped down to number three, I'd get the heck out of there, too. So, uh, who knows? But anyway, like I said, you know, respect their decisions, and that's all we can do. All right, so why don't we get to that interview with Brandon? He goes more in-depth about a lot of the stuff we just talked about with the players opting out. He kind of goes through a timeline of how everything's unfolded until this date. 
and gives us some insight and some players that actually some names I hadn't even heard of until now and also lets us know who he thinks is going to be, you know, stepping up to those holes that we have on defense. So let's get to that. All right, guys, we now have on a friend of the show, Brandon Helwig from UCFsports.com at UCF Sports on Twitter. Pretty much the first ever UCF beat reporter. First thing I got to ask you, though, how have you been doing through, you know, everything that's going on? Uh, I've been doing fine. I've just been a little bit strange, just kind of getting used to new routines and everything. If, you know, ordinarily month of August, you'd be, you know, going to practice, getting interviews almost every day and getting ready, you know, planning all your road trips and where you're going and, you know, flights and hotels and just getting excited, you know, for college football. And it was kind of weird because I think through the early part of August, it wasn't really excitement. It was just kind of like, you know, what's going to happen next? And everyone saw the news, you know, with the Big Ten and Pac-12 made the decisions they did. And there was just kind of like a sense of dread, like, you know, is UCF season going to be canceled? You know, what's going to be the next shoe that's going to drop that's kind of pretty much, you know, in this thing right here? So it was a weird feeling. And, you know, I guess over the past week or more i mean it's become a little bit more real that yeah we're actually going to have a season because for a little while there i think we were just one conference away like if the ac like people speculate like if the acc would have maybe just you know jumped the gun and, and followed what the big 10 and pac 12 were going to do that might have been it that might have you know forced everyone else to kind of you know try to postpone until spring so right. Uh, I think we've gotten more excited here now that we think the season is actually going to get going now. And so it's <laughs> weird that it's September 1st and there really haven't been any real games, that, you know, other than the FCS game last week. But now I think we're all getting, starting to get a little bit more excited now that we can see, hey, college football is going to be here any any minute now. You know, I said it from the start. Once the first major conference made their announcement, they were going to fall like dominoes. But instead, it's like a split. And because the SEC, ACC and Big 12 have kind of stood their ground now, The other coaches and other teams of the conferences, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that canceled, are starting to be like, hey, why can't we play too? Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. And again, it's not guaranteed that the season's going to finish, but for one thing, I mean, I'm like 99.9% sure we're going to start at least. And uh, I could hear it in your voice, man, and I'm excited too. So that's definitely good to hear. Can you give me a timeline though? Let's go back. Um, of kind of how the team got back to practice and, and we started training camp and kind of how all that went down. Yeah, it was, it's kind of been a, a slow process, obviously, because really the season should have started already if it was a normal year. Right. But, uh, the team, I think it was around first week of June, maybe it was the second week. That's when all the players started coming back to campus. I think they had, you know, two or three waves of players come. The first wave was kind of like the main guys, the guys who are obviously going to be your starter type backups and and the guys who were going to play the most. They were the first wave that came back. And then I think maybe the next wave might have been like the reporting freshmen, like the true freshmen. Maybe the last wave was some of the walk-ons and and depth guys. But, you know, they've kind of gone through, you know, it's everything's been different in how they work out. Of course, people wearing masks, you know, they had players kind of grouped with each other. So, you know, this, these players are only going to work out with these players and so on. So if something happened and someone tested positive, they weren't like exposing the entire team. So isolated. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And they've, you know, and they've spread everything out. If if people are familiar with how UCF's laid out, um, pretty much the only, you would use one locker room 
for for everyday usage, which was in the you know, the uh, rain then the Wayne Ditch. But now you know they had the stadium locker room, they have the visitor stadium locker room, they oh. have the Wayne Ditch locker room. So everyone's kind of socially distanced from the locker room standpoint as well. And that's something they've never done before. So that was kind of you know they were just kind of doing you know I guess they call them voluntary workouts. I mean I don't know how voluntary they really were, <laughs> but they they call them that you know for right. you know most of uh, June and July. Um, and then camp kind of didn't really start on time. It was, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. I think in that first week of, of August, you know, there was a lot of stuff about, you know, I think it was the Big Ten that kind of started it. You know, some players wanted to, you know, kind of be compensated and they were concerned about the risk of COVID. And there were a lot of concerns amongst the UCF team. And then all of a sudden UCF figures out, well, we're not playing North Carolina on September 4th. Mm-hmm. And then they, they kind of knew we're not playing FIU the second week. I don't know if that was as widely known. I don't know if it was public yet, but, you know, I guess FIU had kind of, before they announced that they were going to postpone the game, they kind of made it clear to UCF that game wasn't going to happen. So when it looked, and then, you know, even the Georgia Tech game, I mean, people didn't really know at first whether that game was going to happen or not. A lot of people thought it was going to be, you know, that game was going to be canceled because Georgia Tech would want to play Georgia. Exa- so, exactly. I mean, it's it's a miracle, I think. <laughs> yeah. So when it, when it, you know, when it became apparent that, you know, UCF probably wouldn't start until September 19th, I know they kind of tried for a little bit to see if they could find another game the the, the week before. But when it became apparent, they weren't going to be starting September 4th. They kind of just said, hey, we can we can take our time. It's not like a normal, you know, camp where you're, every day we got to get ready. We have a game coming up in three weeks. It wasn't like that at all. So they just kind of took it slow, kind of did more of those, you know, NFL style walkthrough, you know, OTA type practices. Kind of did that for another week. And then, you know, kind of, I guess you could say started camp kind of like a week later, but they didn't go as hard as they normally would. You know, they kind of practiced for three days, took a day off, practiced another two or three days, take a day off. So they, that's kind of what they've been doing. Gotcha. Um, obviously, they're not since school started last week. You know, they can't be there as many hours as they were prior to school starting, but they're still kind of in that camp mode. And I think there's another big scrimmage coming up this upcoming Saturday. And I think probably sometime next week. I'm not exactly sure when they'll start to kind of you know get ready for more of that game prep mode for Georgia Tech. Has your access changed to the team at all, or what's that been like? Well, it's it's there's not really much access uh, because, you know, before I mean, it wasn't great before for camp. You know, every coach in America is kind of paranoid about people watching practice. And so before it was like, hey, you can come to practice, but you can come for the first 15 minutes. And so, okay, cool. Players players (laughs) are running around in circles. They're doing stretching, individual (laughs) drills. There's not a lot you can see, but you can see who's out there. You can see who's injured. You can kind of get an idea if they do certain things, you know, what a depth chart maybe looks like. And then, then you got to leave. And, you know, a couple hours later, you come back at the end of practice and you wait outside. And then when it's over, you do the interviews. So anything in person is out, you know, right. they're very strict about wanting to keep exposure, you know, uh, risk of exposure. So no one's doing anything face to face. They don't want anyone on the practice. I mean, even though I don't think it'd be that big of a deal if you went on one corner of the practice field, wore a mask and maybe, you know, observed it, you know, nothing would happen. But I mean, they're just, they're just, that's just what better, they're doing. I mean, better safe than sorry. Of, yeah. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of schools are doing that. So basically our main access has just been, you know, sporadic zoom interviews with, with coaches. So far we've talked to, I think, Hypel, I think today was the third time we've talked to Hypel. We talked to Coach Randy Shannon late last week, and I think we have a couple offensive coaches coming up later in the week. We have not talked to players. Um, I'm not exactly sure why that is. I have a couple of reasons I think might be the reason. <laughs> I don't want to go into them. I know they're yeah. being very protective and all that kind of stuff. 
you know, look at Florida State and Florida, all, all these other schools are like, you know, having players, you know, everyone's doing Zoom. Okay. It's not like, right. I think USF for some reason, South Florida did some in person interviews, but they're the only school I know of that hasn't done that. <laughs> that doesn't, Everyone else has done Zoom me. and they've had players, but for some reason, UCF hasn't wanted, hasn't wanted players to talk. I don't know if it had to do with the opt outs or what. I mean, now, now we know who they are. They've kind of been rumored for a few weeks, but, right. you know, maybe that'll change once we get into game week. Yeah. I guess we'll have to see. Um, okay. So I guess. From what you've been able to gather through sources, through observations, through everything, um, what's your general feeling about this year's team? I guess the outlook. Uh, has anyone really stood out that might be a surprise? Uh, you know, really, for what everyone kind of thought about this team, not a lot has changed. I mean, you kind of this is a loaded this is this is a loaded team that I you know, you know it as well as I do, Sean. They can win at every game on the on their schedule this year. Yeah, you know, you got Dylan Gabriel at quarterback and. And just kind of just looking things here position by position, you know, Quadri Jones, I was hearing some good things about him, um, you know, prior, I guess, I guess it today has, has come out and confirmed that Daryl Mack, uh, DJ Mack is going to opt out for this year. Um, but, you know, even if that hadn't happened, I think Quadri might have been the, the backup quarterback regardless. I've heard a lot of good things about how he came back and, and you know, it, Kind of remember he was gone, to, you know, kind of disillusioned he, he after all, last year. Yeah. He went to transfer. He actually did transfer. He transfered. He, he was like there. Spent yeah. a day or two at Alabama State, and then he like me. He's like, "This isn't for me. What did I do? You know, this isn't this isn't Division One football." I think he kind of <laughs> realized he didn't really have it all that bad at UCF, so he came yeah. back and and so I think he might have been the backup quarterback anyway. But you know, you you know, you look at running back, you look at receiver. Obviously, you got to replace Gabe Davis, but you know, um, you know, obviously you got Trey Nixon, Jacob Harris, Marlon Williams, but you know, heard really good things. We talked about guys the kind of new names to be on the lookout for is one of the true freshman receivers, Josias Cradle. Um, I think he goes by the nickname Stretch. Stretch He's done Cradle. really well. Stretch Stretch Cradle, uh bigger guy. Uh, he wears number thirteen, uh, which is which is interesting. All right, that's um, confusing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think we'll see a, a little bit of him uh, this year. Uh, I think some guys, some people, have kind of heard a little bit about uh, Jalen Flash Robinson. Okay, uh, guy's got a lot of speed. Transfer from Oklahoma, uh, sat out last year. I think people are going to see a lot of him. Uh, if you look on the other side of the ball, I'd say the biggest concern I have is just, I guess, two areas: depth on the on the defensive line. When you kind of look at some of the opt-outs, uh, Kalia Davis you know, started most of the games, eight, nine games last year, probably would have started this year. And it's, a, it's just so hard to have quality depth on the interior uh, defensive line. I think that's the biggest blow from these opt-outs. Um, so kind of we'll see how that goes. I mean, there's guys there. I mean, you got Kenny Turnier, Anthony Montalvo, KM Good, uh, Coach Heupel said he's really coming on strong. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, were kind of hoping he can make a, a good impact. He saw a little bit of action last year, but I think, you know, that he's really going to make a much bigger impact this year. Um, and then the other big question mark is corner, you know, going into it. If you thought, well, Brandon Morrow was back, um, but I mean, he's still going through the rehab process with his knee. I'm not sure when he would be back uh, up to full speed. I mean, he's not practicing yet. Um, so with Tay Gallon opting we, out. We just have A-Rob, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the A Rob playing, playing, uh, playing nickel. And then the other guy who a lot of people may not be familiar with, the other guy who, who just opted out is one of the junior college, uh, new guys, uh, uh, Devontae Dawson. And see, if it was just Tay Gowan opting out, I think some people thought, you know, and Tay Gowan's been opted out. I think he's been the longest one. Um, I know, you know, Coach Ibo just kind of confirmed the tape, but some of these names have been known to be opting out for maybe almost a month. Some of them just, just uh -huh. a few days. 
Um, but Tay Gowan was the first one I heard about. I don't think he ever really went through camp. Um, so I've known for a few weeks that he wasn't going to be playing. So I think early on, I think people thought Devontae Dawson, he was uh, one of the junior college guys he signed. Uh, he was here in spring. Even the spring didn't last long. I think a lot of people thought, well, he'd be the guy that would probably be mixed man up with starting Gowan's place. So then he opted out as well. So that's kind of a big question mark. What what you said is going to do there? It sounds like it's going to be true freshman Corey Th- uh, Thornton will uh, will start at one of those spots. I know they were very high on him this past spring, and then Zamari Maxwell, who's been here for for a few years, he might start at the other corner spot. But they brought in a bunch of guys. You know, there's another junior college player. There's a bunch of true freshmen they're high on guys like Justin Hodges, Devonte Brown, Quadric Bowler. There's a you know Devon Wilson, who's the transfer from Georgia. He's just kind of getting his feet wet and learning the system and learning the terminology. You know, obviously he's kind of behind because he hasn't been here. Uh, he would be in the mix as well. I'm assuming he will get a waiver to play immediately. I think all the transfers that UCF has gotten in the last month or two, I, I believe they will get waivers when it's said and done. So there's a, there's some guys there. Just but you know, you, you know, you would rather you know you'd rather have some of these guys than, than not have them. Yeah, but I guess I guess I guess it it, it, it could be worse. You know, all hmm. that you just said puts it into perspective. You know, like on the offensive side of the ball, you know, we lost obviously Davis and and Killens and Jordan Johnson, obviously, but for the most part. We kept the core intact and obviously have a ton of great running yeah, backs. Yeah, I guess Jake, uh, Jake Brown is gone, but I think, you know, everyone feels good about offensive line depth. Um, Matt Lee is going to play center. Um, he played a little bit last year, still retained his red shirt with that new role that they allow you to play in up to four games. And I think he played in exactly four games. Um, so I think he's, from all, all reports, doing really well at center, you know, could maybe be one of those guys you like having those centers that play three or four years. So, Definitely you know, he's going to be, be a redshirt freshman this year. You got you're really deep at guard, you know, whether it's going to be those three guys kind of rotating in and out between Cole Schneider, Sam Jackson, uh, Parker Boudreaux. Um, of course, Sam Jackson can play tackle as well. And, you know, they're really the new guys are going to be some of those tackles, whether it's Ed Collins, who played a little bit last year, Marcus Tatum. Is a guy. He's a grad transfer from from Tennessee. He was here in spring. He's probably going to start in one of the, those tackle spots. So we'll kind of see how that goes. They, they did lose a couple depth guys with the opt outs. Uh, Adrian Medley and Lamarius Benson. I mean, those guys really weren't going to be in the mix to be in the primary rotation. I mean, assuming everyone stayed healthy that we know of. But you know, yeah, you don't have them. But every team is going to be dealing with some of that this year. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like offensive side of the ball we're set. Defensive side of the ball, we've got some question marks. But I mean, if it's like any other position that we've seen when it's been like that at the beginning of the year, I think someone will end up stepping up. And it sounds like we're going to have a you know a pretty solid team this year. I'm I'm definitely excited. Um, so going back to the Georgia Tech game. Are they allowing media passes for that, or what's what's their deal, or what's you know, the latest you've heard? I really haven't heard anything on that, and that's been something I've been meaning to kind of inquire with. I mean, it's, everyone's been going day by day. Honestly, I think some of the people staffing and some of these employees at some of these schools, I think a lot of people kind of wondered if there was going to be a season, and then it's like, what do we do? How are we going to you know, have fans, and what are we going to, what is going to be our, our, our procedures for this and that? So I think a lot of that stuff is kind of being worked out. Um, me personally... I just want to be at the Georgia Tech game, period. And, you know, for as long as I've been covering UCF, I've been on the field. I have a camera. Of course, I'm doing stuff with the camera, but I also I want to be on the field. I want to be close to the action. I don't want to be in a press box. And they're going to – there's going to be a lot of changes you see on the field this year in terms of who, who is allowed on the field. 
um, just because they want to keep people away from the players, I guess, from potentially exposing players for all the COVID stuff. So you may not be cheerleaders, mascots. They're going to be very restrictive on what kind of photographers get on the field. You know, I don't know if I'll be on the field at UCF. I know as a as a visiting media, there's no way I'd be on the lot on the field um, at a road game like Georgia Tech. So like like everyone else, I'm like looking at tickets and, and seeing what I can do. A lot of fans got on StubHub because Georgia Tech had their season ticket holders had uh, guys that picked their tickets over the last last week or so. So I guess there's been ticket resellers and they've been dumping them on StubHub, which I guess StubHub I think is the official secondary market partner of Georgia Tech. So there's some sort of of, of affiliation there where maybe you know. Maybe those tickets are safe. It's not like someone's going to pull some some bait and switch. But a lot of people have been, you know, kind of buying tickets. I, like I just spent five hundred dollars for a pair of tickets last night on StubHub uh, to sit lower level behind the UCF benches because I want to be there and I want to be as, as close as possible to everything going on. So gotcha. I don't know what's going on with media credentials. I don't know. All I know is I got tickets. You know, I guess maybe if I have another way in, I can sell them to somebody else. But I just wanted to make sure I got them. I don't know about any other games at this point. I think East Carolina, which is the week after Georgia Tech. I don't think they're going to have, I don't think they're going to allow fans because every other school in the state of North Carolina just has come out in the last week saying we're not allowing fans. East Carolina, for some reason, has not made an official announcement yet. It seems like it's more of a state thing than a county thing. So if it's a state thing, I don't see fans being allowed. I don't know what that would mean for, for media. So that's kind of up in the air. And other games beyond that, I don't know. Houston. Houston should be fine, are, I would assume. Houston started selling tickets. They started selling tickets yesterday. Just oh, shoot. To the general public. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, they started selling tickets. So that looks okay. Right now, the only games I know if you're a fan and you can get to, it looks like Georgia Tech is a go and Houston is a go. Uh, ECU, probably not for fans. And Memphis, I don't know what they're doing. They play a game this Saturday against uh, Arkansas State, and they haven't distributed any tickets yet to their season ticket holder. As a Memphis season ticket holder, I have the latest info on this. Um, I went ahead and bought one. Uh, I remember people, that. As some people saw, I bought one single ticket in, like, I think April or June. Let me see the last email I have from them. Because I they play Arkansas State, and I was trying to figure out because, you know, trying to figure out, well, you know, can I get to the game? Do I want to buy tickets? Can I buy tickets? And, and people haven't even – don't even know what ticket from what so, I had saw earlier. People don't even know what ticket they have for this Saturday. So, all right, what it says, you will receive tickets to at least one game of our 2020 football season. And then obviously, so I picked the, UC, the UCF game. And then under that, it says, seat locations for our first game versus Arkansas State will be allocated next week. And this was August 21st, so over a week ago. And <laughs> will be communicated the week of the first game. So we should hear sometime soon. <laughs> about seat locations for the first game and i'm guessing it's there this has got to be a so like such a confusing nightmare yeah. for the uh for the ticket offices and stuff to try and figure out and piece together and make everyone happy and no one's going to be happy but i guess we'll hear later this week and then based off that we can i guess kind of see well no i don't know I, yeah I, we'll just have to see yeah yeah, we just have to worry about it game by game. Just go one and know every week. We don't, we can't worry about Memphis right now. But for Georgia Tech, if anyone's listening to this, I mean, you can get to the game, but you're going to have to buy tickets on stuff up. I mean, UCF does not have a visitor allotment that they're selling to the general public. Uh, they have some tickets that are going to player parents only. Yep. Uh, that's it. They're not being, even people who are in the shareholder society that are, donating hundreds of thousands of dollars per year to UCF. Even those people don't have access access to tickets. It's parents only. So the only way you can get a ticket is if you get a ticket probably on, on Step Up. That's probably your only choice. If you want to go, you're going to 
at least from what they've been selling for, you're going to pay probably at least $200 per ticket. But if you want to see UCF, I guess that's what you got to pay. Yeah. And I mean, well, here's the thing, too. I, I went back and looked at their home opener last year versus USF had like 47,000 announced. Now, it didn't look completely full, but it was pretty packed. So judging by that and the fact that only allowing 11,000 means that, I mean, you know, supply and demand, it's common sense. So, yeah. Uh yeah, I would I would get tickets now rather than yeah. later. But one and we just we just found out today the game will air at three thirty on ESPN. That's right. That's that just right. Came out today. Yeah, I would say buy them now, and you know, I mean, the worst that can happen is you get a refund. But the the best case scenario is you know we actually get to go to a football game. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping and praying that we play the whole season. But you know, we saw baseball almost almost they thought about dropping off when the Marlins thing happened, and. uh you got to think there's might be some kind of team outbreaks at some point, and it just depends on, I guess, how everyone handles that. I think that's why the you know the conferences wanted to do conference only so they could reschedule and shuffle games yeah. if necessary. So I hope we get a full season, but if yeah, not, and and one of the things they're doing, and and that is like you know there's no firm date for the conference championship game. I think there's a good chance they would play the conference championship for the AAC on December nineteenth, and that would give uh, those, you know, three weeks prior or whatever in the month of December is potential makeup days. If you had some games that got postponed earlier in the year, you could potentially make those up those weeks. Um, so we'll see if that happens. And, you know, I don't know, like right now, like East Carolina, they're going through some stuff. I think they got like 20 players quarantined or something. I think, I think Auburn has something like it's like a similar number of a bunch of positive cases on the team. Like if Auburn was playing this week, I don't think they, I don't know if they would play or not. I've, but that's one thing we're waiting to find out. Like what is the official policy of whether a game gets played or not? How many positives would it take? How, you know, what would, what would happen? And like, you know, if you and me, we're going to the Georgia Tech game, like when will we know is the game officially on? Like, will we get a green light on Friday morning? <laughs> like if I'm flying up or driving up, I kind of want to know the status of the game before I get there. So these are some questions that I guess we'll get answered in the next couple of weeks. I, I guess you're right. And you know, it, it's funny because probably by the time this airs, we'll have a bunch of other information that, uh, that will have changed. It's such a dynamic situation, changing day by day, and all we can do is, you know, just do our best and uh, roll with the punches, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just glad. It looks like we're having college football because you know, there's I know. times over, over the summer you get depressed, like, man, what are we gonna do, man? There's not gonna be, you know, what if there's no season this fall? Like, how are we I, gonna get through this? Like, it's gonna be so depressing, and I, I'm just happy that it looks like we'll have something. I was, I was hoping for the best, but I mean, I even, I lost a bet with some random UCF fan on Twitter. I bet him a hundred bucks. I'm like, there's no way we play college football. When I when I saw how other sports were being mishandled and they couldn't figure anything out, I'm like, well, okay, if a sport with a lot of money at stake can't figure it out, that has one main governing body like a commissioner, like Major League Baseball, then how the heck is college football with twelve conferences? It's going to be a shit show, and it it is, but somehow it's still happening. So I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I know. I'm just, I'm just kind of pinching myself. It's gotten, like I said, it's gotten more real in the last week or two. And I'm actually starting to look at, hey, let me look at fights. What about like Houston? What about this? I, that's, and that? <laughs> you know? Same thing. Same exact thing. Once, So once we heard that Georgia Tech was going to allow 25%, so I booked my flight, 
And I was like, all right, tickets later, or whatever. As long as I get there, I'll figure out a way in. And then I, I was like, wait, hmm, what other away games could I do? And I, <laughs> I really think it's just just Houston, right? Because ECU is probably not. And then what's the other yeah, away game? Memphis. We may find out they won't. I really don't see them allowing fans because no one in the state of North Carolina is allowing fans in the yeah. month of September. They're probably out. Memphis is just, you might be lucky because you've got a season ticket. You you might yeah. get in. And I don't know. I, that's that's not for a few more weeks. That's like October, 7, October 16th. And then what um, else? What's the other away game? Uh, uh, is it well, South? Florida. Oh, USF. Um, yeah, so yeah. Only th- only three re- three real road games. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's like a home game. So, so USF, they're not allowed to have fans for their season opener against Citadel. Um, but they hope to have fans after that, which is interesting because they're spending the money to have an FCS team that they scheduled last minute to come in and play, and and they can't have fans. I'm not sure why that is. I think everyone else in Florida is going to have fans. I'm really not sure why that. It's happening for them, but you know, not that's not our problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, hey. I, I just hope we have fans when, when you know when the when the war and I four actually happens. Yeah, no, that's that's all that's all that matters to me. I mean, the less fans they have, the better. Just for until our game, although. Uh... They're used to putting out playing in front of a crowd. Never heard that joke before, right? <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I know, exactly. You know what's funny is I found my ticket stub from the 07 game today while cleaning some stuff out, and um, I looked at the section number, and it was it was in the 300 level, and I think that might one that might have been one of the last years they even sold tickets up in the 300 level uh, for USF games because they just after they left the Big yeah. East they had no more fans, which is. Uh, it's crazy to think about how times have changed and, and that those old USF glory days have just completely gone. Yeah, that was really one of the, gosh, the, that game is one, one of the most depressing moments. You know, like a top five of most depressing UCF moments. And that was one of them where it just felt like they were just, you pass UCF on by. They're in the big, big, bad, big East BCS conference and they're stomping, curb stomping UCF. And it was like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> I know, man. I'll, I'll never forget that. Like walking, walking back out of the parking lot. I'm like, this is, uh, this is not that fun to be a UCF fan. And, uh, oh boy, how, ta- turned ha- big time. how times have changed. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Uh, thanks so much. I think that was very, very, very insightful. I learned a lot about some new players and, um, we really appreciate you having on. I always enjoy being on on your show, and I, I know it's been a few weeks, but thank you so much for everything you did with the ESPN programming on, on UCF Day. That was a blast, and that was kind of a depressing time period when all this stuff was going on, and we're seeing the rumors of the Big Ten canceling the season and Pac-12, and we thought the entire season might be postponed. And That was a dep- depressing <laughs> weekend, but that was a bright spot. That, that did bring a smile to my face, so that kind of helped us get through it, some of this early n- nervousness and uncertainty. So Thank you for for everything you do, and particularly doing what you did for uh for for UCF. That was an amazing day, and like we said, we're happy to share. So, and uh, you know, thanks for being a part of it, and thanks for joining our show. All right, man. Thanks. And I will take see, care. I'll see you in uh, what two and a half weeks. Yeah. All right. See you in Georgia, man. Travel see safe. Take care. All right. Really good catching up with Brandon. If you don't follow him at UCF Sports, like I said earlier, literally the first. UCF beat writer in like the history ever and he just hasn't stopped doing it and uh glad to hear he's doing okay all right uh next up so now that we heard Brandon's predictions and a little insight on what's going on we're going to do our predictions for the season we've got offensive and defensive players of the year and then a sleeper player on offense and a sleeper on defense uh why don't we start it off Moo who is your offensive player of the year prediction so my offensive player of the year prediction, I've been pretty good with these over the last few years. My first 
one and that very first year. First off, can we just? I want to like go back and put this at the beginning, but we need to like celebrate the third year of the pod. Oh yeah, happy can we like th- say something about that? Happy third year. What's I mean, it started in 2018, right? Yeah, we One, started 2018, two. the year after the. Yeah. Oh wow, we're in Auburn. Our th- third third season. It's our third season of the pod. Third season. Eh, yeah. Whatever. We'll just leave it. We'll we'll put. Okay. We'll say something on Twitter. Wow, that's cool. We just I just realized that because this is our third season preview. Yeah. So my offensive player of the year this year, I think, is going to have to be Bentavius Thompson. You know, it's it's a guy that I've really been high on ever since I he started with the team here at UCF. He really came out of a shell last year, had a lot more carries, and was a bigger part of the offense. And now that I think Killens graduated and is on to the NFL, he's going to be that number two guy. Because I think they're trying to move Otis more to receiver a little bit, but... Another year to get bigger, stronger, faster. I think Bentavius Thompson, averaging six and a half yards a carry last year, is going to be pretty much a wrecking ball for this team and just a really special player to watch. So I think that's my offensive player of the year, Bentavius Thompson. All right. So mine, uh, no surprise here, probably to anyone that's been listening to the show, but I'm going to go with Marlon Williams because he was kind of. Our biggest second half of the season standout last year. You know, once he really started to get playing time, he just balled out. And uh, he also followed me back on Instagram on my personal account. So, might be a little bit biased there. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball. Defensive player of the year. What do you think, Moon? All right. My defensive player of the year this year. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Dude, stop watching porn. That's like some Dodge commercial or something. All right. <laughs> All right. My defensive player of the year this year has to be Tremon Morris Brash. Tremon Morris Brash, when I was first introduced to him, was on the Under Armour High School All-American game on ESPN. Oh. He had, he had three different schools that he was thinking about. And he had all these hats in a bag. And the guy asked him, like, who are you going to go? Where are you going to go? And he said, I'm going to go to the best school in Florida. And right when I said that, I'm like, oh, great. He's going to say, like, Florida, Florida State, some. Well, the the Gators were one of the hats. I remember the hat. Yeah. 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 And then he picks up that UCF hat. And I was like, yo, this is my new favorite player right here, man. So, Tremont Morris Brash, and what an incredible year as a true freshman last year. Played a ton, three sacks, had that crazy, like, fumble recovery for a touchdown in the, oh, and the Gasparilla Bowl against Bad Marshall. Boy, Bad Boy Motors Bowl. Yeah. Oh, and we, we saw his dad at the casino in Pittsburgh. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so, good pick. I, I mean, like it. As a true freshman, the kid was already insane. I wouldn't doubt that he leaves early, unfortunately. He's just extremely talented, and I think this year he's going to do even bigger and better things. So can't wait to see it. Very excited. So that's my pick, Tremont Morris Brash. All right, so for my pick, I got to go with Kenny Tunye. 
Um, dude had a great season last year, really stepped up on the D-line. Uh, you may know him as number seven, but now he switched to number zero, which I think is the first time in college football history that anyone's changed from a single-digit number to a single-digit number. Because, like, everyone wants him, but once you get one, you don't change. But now he's number zero, new rule in the NCAA, which is really, really cool. I think it's going to look kind of weird, but in a good way. But he had 42 total tackles last year, three and a half sacks, and, you know, Kalia Davis not there. Someone else has got to step up, and I think Kenny's going to be the guy. So I'm looking forward to watching him on the uh, defensive side of the ball this year. All right, sleepers. This is the fun one. You always – you got uh, – you got McCray, I think, two years ago. I think, right? Yeah, McCray uh, was one of my sleepers before had, anyone knew him. He had those. He like paid attention during the spring game and saw him, and I don't remember anyone else doing that. And you brought him up during the podcast. I'm like, I don't even know who you're talking about. And then like week four, big Greg McCray fan. So yeah, I just love Greg McCray when he first started. Still love him, but I'm just saying, I had a good eye for him. You've so got a you've year, got an eye for talent. I'll tell you what, I do pretty well. I think. Oh yeah. I gotta rem- I got. I have all this written down this year to make sure I check it out at the end. So <laughs> anyway, sleeper. This is totally off the wall. I don't know any super insider info or anything, but you know, I watch the tape and I just go based off of that. I just look at the talent. So the sleeper offensive player of the year to look out for this year is running back Demarius Good. I think Demarius this year could be sort of the Bentavious of last year. You know, obviously he's not going to be the every down back because he has, you know, two or three guys ahead of him, but he could carry the ball maybe 30, 40-ish times a year, maybe some mop-up duty, really show off some of that speed. And he'll only be a redshirt freshman. He could use this year to build on similar to how McCray did in 2017. McCray, a couple of mop-up duty jobs, had some longer carries, showed some speed. And then in 2018, of course, dropped a career best, 1,189 yards. So Demarius Good really liked the tape. He's a little bit smaller than Mentavious, but I think it's somebody, you know, just like Trillian Coles that's going to be there fighting for... I don't know, Trillian Coles hitting them holes like Darren Sproles. Um, <laughs> Such a great run. But somebody somebody like that, it just adds to the stable of running backs that UCF has and will continue to have because just a revol- I mean there's name, there's names talent. yeah, there's names way down the depth chart that are still could be starters at other schools. So it's gonna be very exciting to watch. So I agree. Sleeper player on offense this year, running back to Mary's good. Okay, good pick. All right, so I'm torn between the two that Brandon mentioned earlier. Big name guys. We got Flash Robinson and Stretch Cradle, and I got to go with Flash. Flash Robinson, sleeper. Not really that much of a sleeper because he's a four-star, but we haven't seen him play yet, and uh, yeah, he's got a cool nickname. Stretch Cradle, my 2A, though, or no, 2B. Anytime you can get a transfer from Oklahoma. Is Josh Heupel considered that? I guess sort of. Kind of, technically. <laughs> no eligibility left. Uh, guess who is eligible? KZ. Me! <laughs> Never giving up. Yeah, dude. 
Never given up a touchdown or pass completion, though. One sack and one dropped interception. That's not bad. When? JV. Oh, JV. <laughs> My second I year. I mean, never given up a touchdown. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, we played against teams that only ran the ball, but still. So? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't all right. I was fast. All right. Wow. I can't believe we're finally saying this. Now it's time for our favorite segment. Wait, we didn't do sleeper defense. (laughs) (laughs) Dumbass. Dude, I just got so excited. (laughs) I don't know how we come back from that. Alright, last up, sleeper defensive player. Who's someone that you think is going to step up this year that we haven't really heard their name before? I kind of hinted at this at the end of last year because he got some decent playing time. Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, middle linebacker, had a solid year last year, uh, limited action, but I really think he had a chance to learn the position and get stronger. Came very close to intercepting a couple of balls, and I think that made him even hungrier. Uh, He's a Big beefcake, six two two thirty eight. Uh, it, dude, I'm telling you, look at his look at his picture on the roster on UCF's website. His neck is like, dang, ridiculously huge. How old is he again? He's a sophomore. Yeah, that's what I doubt. He's young. That's what I'm saying. He put a couple of big hits on. Um, I think it was in the Houston game. One of those uh, games. But he it, definitely yeah. stood out. Yeah. So anyway, I honestly think he has a chance to challenge Eric Gilliard at the middle linebacker position. But it's definitely a bright future for my sleeper defensive player pick for this year, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste. Do all your defensive players have hyphenated last names? <laughs> I kind of like that system. That's like uh, Sean Murphy bunting on the Bucks. Another Sean B, by the way. All right. My defensive sleeper pick. Got to go with Justin Hodges. It's a freshman DB out of uh, Fort Lauderdale. He had 41 tackles, six interceptions, two fumble recoveries as a senior at Western High School from South Florida. The hotbed of recruiting for, you know, the nation in football. And, uh, yeah, seems like a cool dude. So that's my sleeper pick. Obviously, defensive back positions, cornerback specifically. Wide open, let the best man win. There's definitely a lot of playing time opportunities for some younger guys on the defensive side of the ball. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, who steps into those shoes. All right, can I do it now? All right, next up. Man, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to do this. It's time for Money Moves Picks of the Week. I love it. Every time, the move has to get longer. I don't have the lung capacity, <laughs> especially as I start to get older. All right, guys, it's time for Money Moves Picks of the Week. I know you all have been waiting so long to put these bets in. First, I want to talk about wanted to talk about my projected betting lines for UCF football that I post on a weekly basis. These will be updated based on the remaining games of power ranks and home field advantage. 
We're going to talk about a little bit about home field advantage this year. Normally, home field advantage in college is three and a half points. I do give four to UCF, and even sometimes for a bigger home game for us, I give four and a half points just because the bounce house is such an incredible place, and it's a rocking atmosphere, and there's no place like it. There's no place like it, so that's why I give more. Um, This year, from what I've been reading, home field advantage will only should only be considered to be worth about two points. Um, and I've I'd say even less kept, in my opinion. I've kept that the same for the bounce house. I really think that two points is fair, just because of a the travel time, especially for the first game. Most of these kids haven't left, you know, since I don't know. Did they leave in the summer or no? Yeah, everyone goes home for the summer, but a lot of the time that doesn't involve flying somewhere. Right, and especially due to the COVID, you know, there's different procedures for flying. For everything. There's probably going to be different hotel procedures. Yeah, for for everything. everything. It's going to be a pain in the ass to be an away team. You're right, you're right. Right, that kind of, you know, cancels out the no fans. So I think two is a solid number. All right. Anyways, if you'd like to see my projected betting lines for UCF versus every team they play this year, it will be updated weekly on Twitter at MoneyMooUCF. Now, for my picks of the week. Wait, hold on. At least give us, what's your projected line for the first game, at least, Georgia Tech? It's not out yet, but the projected line, UCF minus 15 and a half against Georgia Tech. On the road, too. On the road. Interesting. I mean, Georgia Tech is not going to be a good team. Their second and their second year in a row running this new not triple option offense, though. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, well, Georgia O'Leary revenge game or something? I think that if it does <laughs> come out 15 and a half, there's going to be you know some heavy betting on Georgia Tech to get it down more towards the fourteen area, a key beat, number. Beat them by like five touchdowns, man. They don't got Florida speed, UCF fast. That's true. All so right. anyway, uh, anyway, right. back we to got? the picks of the week. It is not a full slate this week, so I will only be giving you one pick. But over the last two years, you guys have enjoyed a hundred and twenty-four of my money move picks. Overall, a 57.7% winning percentage over the last two years, which is incredible. So if you bet, Remarkable. A, if you bet $100 a game, what's that made me up? Like 50 cents? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you should do no, that. All I know is that like, to be a pro gambler, you need to be above like 55%. So that's definitely definitely good. It's tough. Right. Like, Break even is like 52. Yeah. Because if you're just 50, then you lose all the money on the juice. Can't lose the juice. So the public, I think, is like forty nine point five percent. Hey, public so, Pablo's. <laughs> <laughs> but over two years at one hundred and twenty four picks at fifty seven point seven percent, I think the money moves system is a true winner. Speaks for itself. Numbers don't so, lie. So on to my pick for this week. We're gonna take Navy plus one against BYU, the game being played in Annapolis at Navy. 
Look, you're giving me a home underdog where Navy is 44 and 11 straight up in the last 10 years. 44 and 11. And you're giving me a free point? I actually think that it moved to plus one and a half, so it's going the other way. But I don't, I honestly have no idea why. Navy has 13 returning starters, including their top two tacklers. They did lose Malcolm Perry, their incredible quarterback. That guy, from a year ago. That guy, I have nightmares, man, from that. What was that? That 17 game. He was really good. Oh, no, and then he got hurt, I think. No, it was actually the starter, Zach. Oh. I don't know. His first name was Zach. The and white, the white guy got hurt, and Perry came yeah. in and was like better. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. yeah no. Hell of a player. But anyway. He was good. At, you know, that line seems kind of iffy to me because I remember BYU losing to a team over to the West last season. I mean, I can't think much has changed from year to year. And, you know, like you said, Navy is like, they're the, they're the same exact thing every year. You know, they're solid. They're, they're I mean, always they were 11 solid. And two, they were 11 and 2 last year. They're, Remember, they started 7 and 0, went, went to play Notre Dame, got whooped, but still, I mean. Everyone, they're all like clones or robots or something. You know, they're military. They're, uh, what did you say earlier? Disciplined or whatever. Right. They probably never left, right? Can you leave? Does I don't know. Can you? <laughs> does the military like Trump like COVID restrictions? I have no idea. Trump like but, like oversee or like oh, like more important, not like the president. But yeah, yeah. I don't so you're know. telling me that a team from a lot of travel over from the West, playing the most disciplined team in the country, and I just read yesterday that their number one pass catcher. Their number one tight end was carted off the field during a practice yesterday. So they're probably going to be without him. Navy's defense, outstanding. It seems like a no-brainer. There's, there's just no way. The power ranks say that there should be Navy minus nine. Wow. And they're giving me plus one. It seems too free to be free. But we're going to take it with our first bet of the year. Yeah. Navy plus one. You might even be able to get plus one and a half. But, it's free. Uh, They're giving away money everyone. at the casino in exchange for your soul. No, Maybe um, plus one. This game is on Labor Day night, actually, as well. Ooh, so that could get a little frisky with the uh, wealth management, I guess, or unit <laughs> management. <laughs> yeah, off a long three-day weekend bender. Dude, I'm going to be in L.A. Labor Day night, so that'll definitely be fun to watch at, like, 5 p.m. or whatever. Send it. All right. Uh, hey, let's recap the picks one more time. Navy plus one. Let's get that money. All right. Next up, we've got our Fab Five predictions for the 2020 season. Going off the theme of our 2020 preview show, we're going to give you some predictions and have some fun with it as well. All right, Moo, what is your first prediction? Fab five. I think the stadium capacity will increase by the year end. Ooh. Dude, that's a really good one. I mean, like, it's possible. So, it's gonna I mean the last home game is two and a half months from now. What can happen? The last home game is over in Tampa. <laughs> right. No, I know I know what you're saying. I a lot can happen. Uh pray for the best, definitely. That's a really, really good one. All right, my head was somewhere else. My first prediction, 
Going to run a kickoff back for a touchdown sometime this season. Hasn't happened since Mike Hughes. How long has it been? It's, did, did we really not do it in 2018? I mean, I'm going to feel dumb if we didn't. I don't think we did. We, we have not run a kick. We ran Otis Anderson on the punt last year. Oh, no. Otis, yeah, punt. Otis had a punt last yeah. year. You're right. But no, uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. I don't know who. I don't know when. I don't know where. I think it's going to happen, though. So, yeah, that's my prediction. Um, it's been a long time. All right, Moo, what is your second Fab Five prediction for the 2020 football season? UCF's rushing leader will be Bentavious Thompson. Oh, well, now you're just, like, stacking up the segments and stuff. <laughs> you're all in on Bentavious. It just is what it is, all in. Dude, Did you forget about for, like, Greg McCray? I didn't. I love McCray. I'm just saying... All right, so that's your second pick. All right, my second pick, Memphis rushes for 200 yards in the first half and still loses a game. It's, <laughs> even with – oh, we didn't – we haven't mentioned this yet. Kenneth Gainwell, probably one of the best players in all of college football, definitely one of the top two or three in the conference, has opted out of the season. He was just a freshman last year and probably the best player on Memphis, and we don't have to face him. but. In true Memphis style, just like when Henderson, Pollard, and Patrick Taylor left, and we thought, oh, we're finally good, we're clear. Then they had Gainwell come in and run all over. So I still think that's probably going to happen. No offense to the defense, it's just tradition. But in true UCF fashion, we will come back and beat them in the second half, and I'll be there again. Hopefully not raining. Well, they think the same thing about us. They're they're probably (laughs) looking at their game guys like, oh yeah, Killen's graduated, sweet. (laughs) <laughs> little do they know i was gonna they say, probably do know <laughs> well so the funny thing is is if i'm a memphis fan and like a true homer i'm thinking like all right we lost them four times in two years and then last season was one of their best seasons they went to the cotton bowl and if i'm a memphis fan i'm saying like oh you guys are so lucky you didn't have to play us last year because like they would have won but that's just like the homer in me yeah because it's like we never had a chance to play <laughs> All right, my next prediction of the season will be the Knights stay undefeated at home. Wow. How long has it been again? You said at the beginning. Tulsa? Like- Dude, November 2016, freaking four years ago. Dude, that's like half a decade. That's crazy. Yeah, we lost 35-20 to Tulsa. Great prediction. KZ's first year. All right. All right, what's your next one? All right, so my third prediction for the 2020 season I think we still get a crowd assist. You know, like Cincinnati starting off with two false starts. So I'm, no way. I, so here's the thing. It's going to be so quiet that I can yell and be like, huh, huh, or something, and oh, like, yeah. get them to go off sides. I'm telling you, man. Speaking into existence. Everyone right sitting in the stands is yelling, and when they call a false start, every single person is like, yeah, it was me. No, it was I too- did it. No, I really did it that one time. <laughs> I don't know. No, but all right. So seriously, though, either way, with a quarter of the people there, you can like have conversations with everyone on the sidelines. So it'll be real interesting. Uh, and it'll probably get dicey at times. Maybe not at our stadium, but with certain teams, certain fan bases, certain rivalries. Who knows? Being able to communicate. I think, still, I think surprisingly, it still could be loud because everyone there is going to be the diehards. This isn't going to be like, 
you know, I know most people stand and jump and, you know, yell, but not everyone does. Oh, I get pissed for not But this yelling. year, you're not going to the game if you're not, you know, batshit crazy. Pardon my French. You have to be a diehard UCF fan that's what to want to go that's what I'm to saying. a game this year. You're not going to a game as a casual fan. Oh, right. oh, my friend had an extra ticket. Exactly. Because like you so said... You, you might be onto something here. So if you're not a UCF football fan, you can still go to the tailgate and have the whole experience and have a great time and not even care about the football game because that's just a small part of the whole day of fun. You're not going to have random people just going to games. You're right. It's just going to be diehards. So, yeah, I, I think I might be on to something. All right. My list is getting real thin. What do you got for your fourth Fab Five prediction? I think the defense this year will will hold opponents to under 20 a game. Average? Will be their best average. It will be their best mark since 2014. Look up and down this roster. We have senior after senior after senior. Experience, experience, experience. Talent, talent, talent. Any other word I could say three times in a row. It's just crazy how good the defense can be this year. I understand, you know, we have two people that are opting out, but I really think that there's going to be, you know, the next man up mentality and somebody's going to step up to fill that void for this year. And um, I think it's going to be a lights out defense this year and I cannot wait to watch him. You're right. As worried as we are about, you know, the holes we might have, like you said, someone's going to step up. It's not when, it's just who. I'm not very worried about it either. All right, good fourth pick. My fourth pick, it's a crazy one here. I have a vision of this happening, though. KZ gets cleared like halfway through the season, maybe toward the end, and we're blowing out USF, right? And obviously, you know, Dylan's been the starter. KZ can't just get cleared and come back and take the job away. But he's cleared to play. He's suited up. We're blowing out USF, let's say maybe. In Ray J. In their stadium, their red, big red stadium in Tampa Bay. I'm not Australian. That was Tom, like Tom Brady. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Tampa, Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, we're up, say maybe, I don't know, 64-12. And KZ comes in, you know to take over and, you know, gets that final kneel down right in the same spot where where his whole life changed completely two years ago. Exactly. He gets to come in, end the game, and celebrate with his teammates at the same exact spot where everything happened. I think that's going to happen, you know. I think he's on, like, his final phase-ish. He's just not cleared for contact is what he is. Because he can, like, do everything else. Like, we talked about it last time. The videos, the side shuffle, the stuff he can do that we can't do even without a knee injury. All right, victory formation. Just think he about... He comes out for the victory formation. That. Just like the Peach Bowl all over again, except way, way more meaningful and in a way different way. Love it. Yeah. All right. Dude, what, not going to lie, I think you're right. It's going to happen. Dude, I'm telling you. Those will be tears of joy. Woo. Okay. What do you got for your last pick? Fab Five 2020 right. season predictions. This is a big one. And I think out of 
all five of my predictions, this one has the best chance of happening. I think there will be an added game somewhere. I don't know who. I don't know where. I don't know when. But I think by the end of this year, I like you know, minus the conference championship, there will be another game. Maybe it's even against Austin P. I don't care. Just give me some more football. Remember we gave One up like more. four touchdowns against them in the first half or something? <laughs> I like Just that. Just give I, me one more. I like that prediction, and it's got so many chances for it to happen. Because you know, now the Big Ten is talking about starting up in October. Well, they may need, they might need to start with an out of conference game. You know, hey, dial up yeah, UCF. Exactly. Who I'd knows? Dial us up. At this point, nothing will surprise me anymore. All right, my last prediction for the 2020 UCF football season. We are going to have an epic two-score come-from-behind victory in the fourth quarter of an away game. Which, as you guys know, was not our forte last year. So, the Cardiac Knights are making a return in 2020. I'm calling it now. And there's a 50-50 shot I'll be there. So, that's my final one. Alright, last up, we've got Moo's Mailbag. Move, start them off. All right, this first question comes from Dr. Kolo. Which game on the schedule will be the most challenging for this year's squad, and who starts at quarterback if KZ can go this season? Well, even though Gamewell's sitting out, I still think our game at Memphis is going to be the most difficult just because it always is. And if Milton can... Can't go is like saying he could play now. I mean, I at this point, Dylan is hype's guy. Casey's not. There's a lot of bias involved when it comes with these coaching decisions because you like the guy you recruited more than the guy whose job you took recruited. And I think all other things being equal, Dylan having all this experience under his belt and Casey not playing for a while and, you know, no contact for two years, I think it would still be Dylan's. But I still think KZ would ball out of his mind if he gets the opportunity. And the good thing is, is even if he can't this year, he's still eligible next year. So, man, Kalubi Ali was like a year short on the seven-year thing. <laughs> what do you think? I think by far it's going to be Cincinnati. You got the double revenge factor. Us trying to get revenge from last year's loss. And then Cincy trying to avenge the loss the last time they were in. Ah, the game day. The last time they yeah. were in the bounce house. And, you know, they really got something to prove here because, I mean, let's face it, USF's not going to be good this year. That probably is going to be the play-in game to get to the conference championship to more than likely face either Navy or SMU. I don't know that's my two picks for the other side. The the more so, the more revenge factor, dude. Right. <laughs> so I got that, and I think it's Dylan's job, pretty much no matter what. You know, Milton, he's going to come back this year, victory formation or something. He will be on the sidelines doing something. Uh, what's crazy is is that he's still going to be able to play next year. So we'll answer that question again for like the third year in a row. <laughs> 
uh, next year. <laughs> I think we get asked it every episode. All right, next question. UCF Dad Bob, is this the best squad we've ever had on both sides of the ball? Uh, so I saw this question earlier, and it depends on how you think of it. So I actually did a little bit of research on the power ranks that I used, and I went all the way back to 2014 after our Fiesta Bowl winning as Baylor to see what our power rank was. I looked at right after our undefeated season after Auburn, and it turns out that the highest we were ever ranked in the power ranks was right after you know that win over Auburn. We were at a 15.3, a zero is average. We were at a 15.3, and right now we're at a 13.5. So we're pretty close to there. I think later on in the year, you know, if we start like 5-0, and 6-0, and uh, something like that, we could get to that point. But as far as right now, preseason, I think the 2017 team has a speed, just by a little bit. Better than the 2013 team? I looked all the way back there too i think the highest we were was like a 13 i know but look statistician move put that aside remember that team that beat baylor i mean those are some big boys some nfl talent man i don't know if they could have kept up with the ucf fast i I don't know that's a million dollar question the 13 versus 17 shout out coach buzos by the way okay uh you're up next question all right from nico k rico what's up man which freshman do you think will have the biggest impact this season? Yo, I got to go with Stretch Cradle, my boy. Josiah's Stretch Cradle. Uh, like Brandon said, dude's going to ball out. What about you, Moo? Who do you think? Uh, I'm going to have to go with DB Corey Thornton. Any DB that comes out of Miami you know is going to be fast. Said it earlier. And it and has the talent. So we're kind of thin right now, obviously, at uh, – the DB position, so we're more than likely going to need Corey to to step up. So I'm excited to see what he brings. I've been saying this for years. A two or three star from South Florida is like a five star from the Midwest, and it's so true. There is just so much talent down there. Uh, so I'm excited to see what this kid can do. All right, uh, next question. I think I'm up, right? Get through this one real quick. Shout out MD Knight for predicting one of Moo's mailbag or one of Moose Fab Fives with this question, do you think we end up with more fans than 25% at the final home game? Obviously, we know your answer to that. So thanks for the question, Mike. Just want to give you a little shout-out. Last question from Chris Duffner. Status of transfers, especially Devad Wilson. Uh, look, the guys you should ask about stuff like this, Brandon Helwig at UCF Sports, Jason Beattie, at the real BD, that's B E D E. Ask the beat writers. Like, we don't know about stuff. All we know, like, well, I know about a couple things, but I don't know about transfers. I don't. I don't follow that. We're just fans, and we love UCF, and we like sharing our opinions with you. Go to those guys. Follow them. They should have way more followers because they put out some really, really good content. Join the message boards. Both of them have really good message boards, and. uh they feed us a lot of information that, that we then use to, to form opinions and, and share with you guys. So I appreciate the question, though, and didn't want to ignore you. Like you said, we, we want to acknowledge your question, but I don't have an answer for it. But like I said, definitely follow both of those beat writers. Um, they'll be able to help you out with that kind of information. 
All right, let's wrap this up. Moo, anything else? What are your thoughts overall, man? We just unloaded, like, we just went down a huge, like, rabbit hole of information, of new stuff. How do you feel right now compared to yesterday? I think it got a lot more real today. That's what I want to tell everybody. Yeah. Like, yesterday, I mean, there were so many questions. You know, we still didn't know about the tickets. Uh, two days ago, we didn't know about the capacity. I think as the days go on, and dude, right now we're 18 days away from Georgia Tech. from UCF football Woo! against Georgia Tech, which was just announced today. It will be an ESPN 3:30 game, my favorite time slot for a game. Yeah, that's popular. Among Carson said the same thing because then you can get to the bar at a decent time and actually like celebrate and do something after. The night games are fun, but, dude, just getting home, like, you're just happy to get in bed, you know? It's, like, midnight by the time you get home, and, uh, I don't know, once you're older than 25, that kind of stuff, you start to appreciate more. <laughs> um, Absolutely. I mean, Pittsburgh, we all got to go out to Pauly D concert after, well, I did. <laughs> I was gonna say, we, we isn't you. <laughs> so that was awesome. Uh, oh, but definitely, we got a we got a later flight leaving Sunday this time, not a five a.m., which is the worst idea ever. I don't know why you thought that was a good idea. So the way I convinced you to go is because the flight was only like fifty dollars, and the the way the flight was only fifty dollars, it was it was a six a.m. flight. And all I remember it was like, I think you had like a whiplash, like whipping the Uber driver, like go go go, we're gonna miss the flight at like five thirty, but we still somehow made it. Well, don't you remember? So, like... Yeah, I woke up. I was not even in the hotel room. I remember. <laughs> no, but we run downstairs. You show up. We run downstairs. This is at 3.30 in the morning. Or, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. You had gotten the oh, es- the- an Escalade from the casino. I remember <laughs> to, like, now. pick us up at the airport. Or pick us up at the hotel. But there was two guys, like, getting into our Escalade. I remember and- now. Okay. The guy was like, oh, are you Sean? And you go, yeah. And then the two guys that were like stealing our Escalade looked at each other and they were like, huh? And then you basically, they were UCF fans too. And I don't know why we didn't let them just ride to the airport no, with us. But no, the no freeze. Guy, like, no more freeze. <laughs> the taxi driver guy like kicked them out of the Escalade. Get out of my car. <laughs> wow. I, so you started telling that story and I thought. I think I was getting confused with when I was in Cincinnati and I was late and I ordered an Uber and it said it was three minutes away for like 20 minutes. And yeah, that didn't end up good. But yeah, no, I, I do remember that. The free uh, casino escalate or whatever. That guy was cool. That was fun. Yeah. Good times. Well, I'm glad you came and I'm glad we could afford a ticket uh, later than 5 a.m. That was a 3.30 game too, wasn't it? Uh, Yes. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, Stay safe and you know what? Have a good time. Just be happy that we have actual football coming soon. It is going to happen. I cannot wait. And guys, I think we might be a top 10 team pretty soon. I don't know. Playoffs? (laughs) Playoffs? Oh, big thing too. In case we can't put another pod out before. um... Oh yeah, last thing. All right, guys. So this is big. But what? No, it's actually not big. It's small. Well, it can't be big. It's, it's got to be small. It's yeah. small. So we're hosting a kickoff gathering 
at Big Sky following all CDC, state, and federal guidelines. It's going to be like a private party, restaurants, social, restaurant, socially distanced, tables separated, all the normal stuff you're used to. There's going to be a limited amount of tickets. It's not going to be that expensive or anything. It's more going to be like first come, first serve. But it's going to be a, a unitement of fellow UCF fans in a large three-story space all spread out in our small groups uh, the Friday night of the Georgia Tech game in Buckhead at Big Sky. If you remember, that's where we threw the giant peach bowl party, which is not going to happen this time. Seriously, I've got to call the GM tomorrow about the whole ticketing system and stuff like that. But if you're going up there for the game, come out and at least, you know, we can hang out with fellow Knights on Friday night watch some games or whatever together and uh you know just have a beer with the people that we haven't seen for what eight nine months now it's been since uh since the bowl game you know since we saw everyone yeah so i am pretty excited about that i'm excited to get back to atlanta i can't wait to leave florida i haven't left florida oh wait no i was just in vegas i haven't left florida since I know January. I want to say Lewis for work. Yeah, but those for work. I'm gonna be in Vegas tomorrow. Let's go. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Little, okay. Uh, bachelor bachelor party, then a pit stop in LA. Anyway, so see you guys in Buckhead, Georgia Tech, or maybe at the Tulsa game if we get to go. I don't even know if we're gonna have tickets. Guys, we gotta keep our heads up. Things might stink, but again, football is better than no football at the end of the day. Thanks so much for listening. Go Knights. Charge on. Shots. Shots.